All right. So our scripture today is 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19. So last week we saw the great victory. The rain fell. And we saw that Elijah outran Ahab's chariot to Jezreel. And so now the setting is in Jezreel. So they've come off of Mount Carmel, and Ahab is at home with wonderful Jezebel. Verse 1 of chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow, 24 hours from now, you're going to die. So Jezebel threatens Elijah's life. By this time tomorrow, you will be dead. And not only that, she says, here, don't, don't, doesn't she? May the gods do to me more than what happened to the prophets if by this time tomorrow you're not dead. So Jezebel puts a hit out on Elijah. Verse 3, Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life. Jezebel's the one that could get to him. Jezebel's the one that put that last straw in Elijah. Then he ran for his life, and he ran to Beersheba. And in Beersheba, which is in Judah, he left his servant there. So he, not, he didn't run just a few miles he ran a long way to Beersheba. Beersheba is down below Bethlehem. So he, carried some, he, he covered some ground. He was really afraid. He was really afraid of Jezebel, and he ran. And it says in verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. Not a lot of shade. Not a lot of shade in a broom tree. Same tree that, that Jonah dealt with. Enough for maybe a little, if you've got a small head, maybe part of your head, but not a whole lot of shade can you find on the broom tree. But he's, he found him a broom tree down there in the middle of the desert, and he's under it. And he asked that he might die. Oh, Lord, I've had enough. That's what he says. He said, it is enough now. Lord, can I die Take my life. Enough's enough. I don't want any more of this. I have faced enough hardship. I, and now Jezebel's after me. He says, Lord, it is enough. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he laid down and slept under a broom tree, and, and, and that's his situation. And so we see here the results of depression that Elijah is facing because it's obviously that he's depressed. He's isolating himself. That's what depression does. He's having suicidal thoughts. That's what depression does. He has feeling of worthlessness. That's what depression does. 
when there's a, a uh, long-term experience of sadness, that's what happens in us. So Elijah is depressed. I've, have, have you heard Christian people say that Christians should never get depressed? Heard Christians say that? Christians should never struggle with depression. Christians should never struggle with anxiety. Christians should never struggle with, you know, large amounts of worry. But you have Elijah here, Elijah, not just anyone, not just run-of-the-mill guy here, but Elijah. Elijah hears the threat of Jezebel, and he runs for his life. He isolates himself. He has suicidal thoughts. He has a feeling of worthlessness, and he has the idea that he's had enough. He, just, he wants nothing else to do with the battles. He wants nothing to do with the strain. He, he, he wants nothing else to do from the, the plotting that he's got to do over and over and over again. He's had enough. And he says that he just, he just laid down and he slept under a broom tree. And the scripture here tells us that, Behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake, a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him, and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose, ate and drank, and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. So we've got the results of Elijah's depression. And we also have the reasons for Elijah's depression. And, and some of these reasons I think is helpful to us if you struggle with a long-term sadness, which we would call depression, a long-term sadness. First of all, the first reason for Elijah's depression is Jezebel. She's the trigger. He was okay until Jezebel put the hit on him. He could make it. What is there about Jezebel that causes such response from Elijah. But Jezebel's the one. I mean, for some reason, he sees Jezebel, Jezebel different than he sees Ahab. He sees Jezebel different than he sees the prophets even, even though the prophets outnumbered him 850 to 1. Jezebel. Jezebel calls him to run for his life. Jezebel calls him to isolate himself. Jezebel was the trigger that caused these suicidal thoughts Jezebel put him in that place where he's saying, I'm just worthless. I have nothing to offer. My, my life has no value to it. Jezebel was the trigger. When we face depression, oftentimes we've got a trigger. Sometimes we may not know what that trigger is. But you'll, you'll discover if you'll really do some self-awareness, really think about, really be objective about your life, that some people can say certain things to you and it's no big deal. 
Other people can say things to you, and it just kind of impacts you in a minor way. But, but there is someone that can say something to you, and it just throws you down. Why are we giving them so much power is the process that we need to go through. Why is Elijah giving Jezebel so much power over his life? But he is. He's given her power. So that's one of the reasons. So if you struggle with depression, do some time thinking about who's got the power? Who's causing this? Who's the trigger? What is the trigger? Maybe a person. It may be a thing. It may be an event. It may be a memory. Maybe a past circumstance that haunts you. It may be Thanksgiving. It's coming. Oh, it may be Thanksgiving. What happened at Thanksgiving years ago? What takes place around Thanksgiving? It's more than you can bear. Maybe Christmas. It's something. And, and give that some thought. Don't let the Jezebel have that kind of power over you. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. Also, he had just experienced a great victory. I mean, wow, what a deal. 850 prophets. Fire fell from heaven. Rain fell. Unbelievable. And there was a great deal of emotion that was spent on Mount Carmel. A lot of emotion was spent. He was spent. He was tired. And depression hit. And, and you, take, you take Jezebel being the trigger. You take the great victory. And the pendulum swung from a great high to a great low. And, and that is an amazing toll on you. An amazing tool. I mean, you go from... A high to a low quickly, it's very difficult on us. And, and, and Elijah did that. And, and being tired, being spent, physically depleted is obviously one of his situations here because that's how the angel addressed him first. And so the angel comes to him and says, first thing we've got to do is we've got to get you physically a well before we can deal with the other things in your life. And so those three things come into play here. He was triggered by Jezebel. Jezebel had control over him. The second thing, there was a great victory in the pendulum swung from a high to a low, quickly, very difficult for anyone to deal with, and he was physically depleted, just tired. Something else is at play here. Think about Elijah. Think about what we know about Elijah. Think about what we have studied the last few weeks. Fed by ravens when Ahab was after him. Remember, hamburger in the morning, hamburger in the evening. Twice a day, bread and meat beside the brook. Had all the water he wanted. Had it made. I mean, we work 50 years a week to have two weeks like he had there in that cave. Hamburger in the morning, hamburger at night, all the water he wants to drink. He can sleep all he wants to. He can relax all he wants to. He, he, that's, that's where the Lord put him. So he had had the experience of an unusual provision, ravens. Next, the Lord sent him 
to the widow of Zarephath, a long way from where he was. Remember, we talked about that. He traveled from out there beyond the Jordan River all the way to the Mediterranean Sea, a long journey, 75 some odd miles. And he goes to the city gate and he looks for the provision at the city gate. It wasn't the bankers, it wasn't the lawyers, it wasn't the businessmen, it wasn't the developers, it wasn't the movers and shakers, it wasn't the, gam the, the gamblers, it wasn't the mafia, the people with the large rolls of cash that he sought out. It was the widow of Zarephath. And, and she was in a bad way. Matter of fact, she had looked at her cupboard and she had just enough flour and just enough oil to make one last biscuit and then she and her son would die. That's where the Lord sent him. And he goes to her and he says, and he says, the Lord sent me to you. You're supposed to take care of me. And she said, well, we're about to die. But somehow or another, he goes in her house and what happens? The flour never runs out while they're there and the oil never runs out. I mean, if you take inventory now, Elijah, think about it a little bit. Ravens and flour and oil never running out. Think about that a little bit. And then the next thing that happens to him is that widow's son dies and she comes to Elijah and she says, why in the world would you cause this in my life? Why did you enter my home? Well, you've brought this all on me because, because of my sin, because of my waywardness, this has happened. And he didn't say a word to her. Remember, he just goes up and he, he lays on the child and the child comes back to life. He's got the ravens, the flour and oil, the widow's son is raised from the dead. All in a short period of time, not many months have gone by where these three wonderful miracles are taking place. And then on the top of Mount Carmel, outnumbered 850 to one, he saw fire fall from heaven. <sighs> what a deal. And then after that, it hadn't rained in three years. And guess what? It comes a raining and they look out there at the Mediterranean Sea seven times. Sure enough, a cloud that looked like a hand begins to build and it comes and it just soaks everything. Hadn't rained in three years. And then he said, Lord, bring the rain. And it came. Pretty hard to connect those dots other than God's miracle work, isn't it? So what he's done. So, so you've got five major events that are all miracles that happen in Elijah's life. Elijah should be really stepping strong. Elijah should have an air of confidence about him, about himself. Elijah really should feel pretty good about the hand of the Lord on him. Plus, he outran the chariot. He got a lot going for him. But what happened? He lost his objectivity. He lost his objectivity. He lost it. He didn't think about those six things. All he thought about was Jezebel. Now, he transitioned from being objective to subjective. And most people that struggle with anxiety to a large degree, most people that struggle with over bouts of worry, most people that struggle with long-term sadness 
at some point along the way, lose some of their objectivity or lose their objectivity to the situation. Now, there may be chemical reasons. There may be all those other things that take place in this situation. But most people that are just struggling with just basic depression, depression that's got a trigger to it, depression that just shows up at, the, at, the, at these times when the trigger is pulled, they lose your objectivity. I have no friends. You have no friends? I have no friends. You have no friends? Not one. But I, I saw you out the other day with so-and-so. Oh, yeah, we're friends. You said you had no friends. Well, I have friends. Everything in my life is falling apart. Everything in your life is falling apart? Yeah. Your husband love you? Yeah. Everything's not falling apart. Kids love you? Yep. Everything's not falling apart. Right? Everything is not falling apart. There may be a lot falling apart. You may be in a situation where there's a lot of difficulties, there's a lot of stresses, there's a lot of problems, but everything is not falling apart. Those are subjective thoughts. Subjectivity is when we feel, when we think something's going to happen, when, when we worry about things that may never take place. And, and when you begin to be subjective about your life, just like Elijah is, then, then depression can weasel its way into our lives. He lost his objectivity. I mean, think about this for a moment. It's Jezebel. It's just Jezebel. It's the king's wife. Now, Elijah, can she whip you? Probably not. Could she shoot you? Could she stab you with a knife? Probably, right? You know, okay, so you're one out of two. Okay, let's, let's work through this thing. Does Jezebel have more, uh, more weapons than all those prophets did that day you were up there on top of Mount Carmel? I mean, there is 850 prophets 1,600 hands or more that could have grabbed a hold of him and ripped him apart. And he walked right up next to them. I mean, on Mount Carmel, Elijah was in a bad spot. His life was in a bad spot. He didn't run. You know why? Because he was believing God for the victory. He was believing that God would take care of him up there on top of Mount Carmel. But now, now that he's down for the mountain, sure, he's tired. Sure, he's, he's spent. Sure, he, he's had a, a lot take place in a short period of time, and his emotions are being drained, and he's being torn from here to there, and he's not quite sure what's going on, but it's just Jezebel. And the bottom line is, Elijah, you know, just think about this for a moment, Elijah. Is Jezebel more powerful than God well, he'd have to answer, well, well, of course not. There's no way in the world I would say that Jezebel is more powerful than God. Then why are you running for your life? What has God done that has shown you that you need to run for your life? Well, nothing. He has, he has taken care of me. He has, been, he has helped me to experience victory 
right. So focus on what God has done and focus on the promises God has revealed to you and, and remain objective. And don't allow how you feel and what's going on. And, and, and basically, the bottom line is, with Elijah, he allowed fear to overwhelm faith. And that's what happens when depression begins to bite us, to harm us, to defeat us. There's some practical things that we can do to help us face depression. Elijah needed some of them. First of all, he could have worshipped. He could have fellowshiped. He could have served other people. He, he could have slept the right amount. He could have talked with someone who would listen and give some godly counsel to him. He should have sought someone else that's level-headed, that is able to see the difference between being subjective and objective. He could have laughed. He could have watched Brian Reagan. He could have got Netflix out there in the desert somehow or another. He could have got a strong signal. And he could have watched Brian Reagan or Nate Bargatze. I think that's how you say his name. There's two guys that are clean and really funny. If you find yourself depressed, sit down and watch Brian Reagan talk about life. He makes me laugh. He could have journaled things. He could have wrote things down. There's something therapeutic about writing things down. He could have had a good cry. He could have resisted the temptation to run and hide. He could have resisted that. He could have said, wait a minute, Jezebel, she's getting to me here. Let me think about this. I'm, I'm not going to run and hide. I haven't hid at all. I have showed up and I have faced Ahab. I have faced all the prophets. I have faced the enemy. I, I'm not going to run and hide from Jezebel. He could have done that, but he didn't do that. He didn't practice obedience even when it didn't feel like it. It's one of the things we could do when we begin to experience depression. Practice obedience even when you don't feel like it. Don't run and hide, and don't hide from the Lord's people. And that's what happens typically when people face struggle with depression. They hide from the very instrument God wants to use to help people to be strengthened, the body of Christ. Here's some things from Philippians chapter 4 that will help, that'll make a difference if you'll practice them. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Choose to rejoice in the Lord. That's the first thing we can do. Choose to rejoice in the Lord. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I would say it again, rejoice. Paul says, I'm here to tell you, everything that I've been through, all the struggles I've faced, if anyone has reason to be depressed, it's Paul. Holy cow, all he went through. And he says, that most important thing, that most important thing to experience life, to experience encouragement, to, to experience the ability to overcome the things of this world is to always rejoice in the Lord. And it's a choice that we make. That's what he says to do. And then he tells us to turn our worry, turn our depression, turn the trigger, turn the problems, turn the struggle into prayer. He says in verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
So turn whatever it is into prayer. Turn the trigger. Lord, Jezebel's after me. You got a problem, God. That's what Elijah could have prayed. Lord, I'm tired. I'm spent. Can you give me some room here to kind of get my, my, my spirit renewed, my energy replaced? Can you just help me out here a little bit? Lord, I'm coming to you. I recognize that I'm giving in. I'm struggling here, and I'm being overwhelmed with this issue, this problem, this conflict, these circumstances. I find really taking a toll on me. Lord, can, can you step in for me, God? Can you make a difference here? Let your reasonableness, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. That's what that means. Be reasonable. Be practical. Be honest with how things are. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. He is on his throne. He is in control. The Lord is God. There ain't no power in all the world bigger than God. That's how we pray. That's how we approach things. That's how we move forward. God is God. And so it doesn't matter what takes place. God is God. I'm his child. He is going to take care of me. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Supplication, your request. Thanksgiving, what you had to be thankful for. And so when you give your request to God and you thank him for all that he has done, look what happens here. Then verse 7 says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Boy, Elijah needed that. Elijah needed the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. What is surpasses all understanding? No one can understand why it would be the Elijah peace. Can you imagine, oh, Elijah, here it is, got a, he, he's, got a want, he's got a wanted poster on his life, and he's, he's a hunted, he's a marked man, and here he is staying in Jezreel. Here he is facing his problems. Here he is with joy and peace. It doesn't make any sense to me. That's the kind of peace that God has to give us when we turn whatever it is that's ailing us into prayer. We ask him and we thank him and, and the Holy Spirit goes to work and the promise for us is this, then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And, and what Elijah needed at this moment was that his heart and his mind could be guarded. That's why Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Do not let your hearts be troubled because of the, the reality of God's intervention in our lives. And the last thing, fight for objectivity. That's what verses 8 and 9 tell us. Finally, brothers, so after you've rejoiced, after you have prayed, here's what you do. Finally, brothers, here's how you handle those great anxiety belts. Here's how you handle those large doses of worry. Here's how you handle that depression that's triggered and, and you struggle with. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, is whatever you're triggered by true? Can Jezebel whip Elijah? No, it's not true. Why? Because God can whip Jezebel. She can't, Jezebel's not going to, if God doesn't want Elijah to be gotten to, Jezebel can't do it. That is true. 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's, how, that's what Elijah needed. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul tells him, practice these things. Put it into use. Don't, don't just stay at home just repeating the same thought process over and over and over. Don't, don't just stay defeated. Just don't, don't just stay down. Get up. You may feel down. You may feel bad. Depression may be just, just a huge weight on you. Choose to rejoice in the Lord. You may not notice or, or understand that you have any reason to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice anyway. Rejoice in him. Rejoice in what he's done. Rejoice in what he's provided. Rejoice in what he might do in your life. Rejoice in the Lord. Then, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're plagued by, whatever's defeating you, whatever the issue is, God is on his throne. Approach him like that. Lord, here's what I need. I need a little zest. I, I, need, a little, little, I need a little security. I, I need some energy. I, I need some confidence. I need some boldness. I need some want to again. I need you to, to, to refuel my battery here. I need, a, I need your power to be in me. I need to experience you. I need you to come in and just make a complete overhaul in my life. Tell him what you need and thank him for what he has done in your life. He has saved you. He has provided for you. He has been there in those times that you knew nothing about it. And thank him. And, and watch how when you begin to rejoice in the Lord and, and pray for what you need and thank him for what you've done, how the Lord will begin to lift your spirit. The Holy Spirit will come into your spirit and there will be that connection and, and you will begin to notice that and then just switch the objectivity. And the bottom line is, God is God. So it doesn't matter how many Jezebels are turned loose on me, God is God. And Elijah lost that. He flat lost that. Elijah. I mean, Elijah, he's a bad dude. Elijah is in, the, is in Hebrews. He's in the Hall of Fame of Faith. I mean, Elijah is to the kingdom of God what Alan Jackson and George Jones is to country music. I mean, he, those two guys are really special, right? You know? I mean, he's really somebody. God used him. God desires to use him. And he struggled with depression. Now, we know from the heart of God. We know from the scriptures. We know from understanding who God is and what he does. He didn't want any of his children being defeated by depression, by worry, by anxiety. He didn't want that. And, and he provides what's needed to, to move beyond that. Move beyond that.
Rejoice in the Lord. Turn your worry, anxiety, what's triggering your depression, turn it into prayer. Thank the Lord for all he's done. Tell him what you need. And then you'll experience the peace that passes all understanding. People said, that guy has no reason to be joyful, but they are. That's the work of the Lord in their life. Be objective. The Lord is Lord. No Jezebel can bring us down. May you work in our lives today, Lord. May your will be done. Help us, Lord, to just realize what matters most today and just to rejoice in you. Thank you, Lord, for showing us this lesson today, the struggle that Elijah had, and, and help us, Lord, to learn from it. In Jesus' name, amen.